Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Peaceful coexistence, Dan, it sounds great. Reconciling non-discrimination principles with civil liberties, and in particular, religious freedom. But hidden behind those mild-mannered words spells trouble for religious liberty. At least that's how some of us see it. Our guest today to discuss this report of the United States Commission on Civil Rights is my good friend Charles Haynes, founding director of the Religious Freedom Center at the Museum Institute. Charles, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thank you, Alan. It's good to be back with you. So, for starters, um, what is this report, uh, Peaceful Coexistence, issued by the U.S. Commission? What, what issues is it seeking to address? I think the idea is that the great debate of our time, or one of the great debates of our time, is how do you reconcile non-discrimination, particularly for LGBT people, with religious freedom claims for exemption or accommodation, particularly now that same-sex marriage is legal across the country. And this debate has raged from state to state, town to town. How far do you accommodate people who want to opt out uh, of participating in same-sex marriage, for example? Uh, what do you do about government officials who want to be accommodated not to participate? So the Civil Rights Commission uh, held hearings and called in people on different sides and, and took uh, testimony and issued this report. So what exactly is this U.S. Commission on Civil Rights? Do they have any clout? Does anybody pay attention to them? I think people pay attention. I think uh, it's a non supposed to be a bipartisan uh, agency. It has semi-autonomy, so it doesn't speak for the government, but it is a government agency. So it recommends and it shapes policy if the uh, report has influence. So the idea is that it it researches and reports and then uh, asks the Congress, asks the executive branch to follow these findings and recommendations. Uh, so that, in that sense, it could have influence. It depends on how it's received by elected officials. Now, it strikes me that in this conflict between gay rights or non-discrimination or religious liberty, there are partisans on both sides, some who would want religion to trump discrimination and others who would want discrimination to trump religion. Where does the report come down? Well, I think the report comes down on the side of saying that non-discrimination uh, trumps religious freedom uh, in almost all cases. The report doesn't seem to leave little room for religious accommodation, religious exemption, uh, and that's troubling. And that's the sense that, uh, that I've had from many in the faith community that it seems to assume that the church is simply going to have to, not just the church, but all religious groups are effectively going to have to change their practices, if not their beliefs, when it comes to human sexuality. Well, I don't think that, I think the commission really is focused on 
instances where this in the public square, there are requests for accommodation. But it does impact religiously affiliated groups. It will not impact, even if the recommendations are accepted, the internal workings uh, of a religious community. So that, I think, is so strongly protected by the First Amendment and current law. So I don't think that uh, a religious group will have to change its own practices in terms of its marriage ceremonies or be required to recognize marriages that it considers uh, not inconsistent with their faith. But religiously affiliated groups, those that receive some federal or state funding, they will be impacted if, in fact, we go into the direction of not accommodating them, not giving them exemptions, not uh, offering some way for them to keep operating, uh, even though they cannot, for example, uh, offer certain benefits to same-sex couples or certain services to uh, same-sex couples. So there was a report recently, if I'm quoting it correctly, that found that the religion sector in America as a standalone would be like the 10th largest economy in the world, that it generates literally billions of dollars of economic activity. So when you talk about government funding um, of religious entities, give our listeners a sense of the scope of what's at stake. Where does this funding go? What kinds of institutions? Well, there's no doubt that religious institutions in the United States contribute to the economy in robust ways and is, is essential to our economic health. So just on that basis, it's a, it's a major engine in the United States economy. But, of course, government is everywhere these days, for better and for worse. Uh, unlike when our founders wrote the First Amendment, uh, you know, government wasn't involved in education and social welfare, at least not in the way it is today. So every everything uh, is touched by government. So it's very difficult for Catholic charities or any group, you know, that's doing work for social services, for the poor, for helping people, it's very difficult for them to do it without some government involvement, some government money. So that therein lies the challenge, because as we say in Washington, with shekels come shackles, and once you take the money, then, you know, there are these conditions and these questions. So the challenge is how do we do what we can to make sure that these religiously affiliated groups make, can follow their faith, their conscience, uh, and still continue to do offer their services. And that's not easy to work out well, because, of course, uh, non-discrimination is an important principle, and that's also going to be uh, in the mix. So take, for example, religious colleges, which was a battleground here in California where I work in advocacy, and many Christian colleges do not discriminate, for example, in admissions policies and will admit LGBT students, but um, they're certainly not prepared to have LGBT advocacy groups on campus advocating, uh, you know, lifestyles and values that conflict with the biblical values of the institution. And it would seem that the Civil Rights Commission's view would be ultimately to deny funding to such institutions unless they would allow uh, such activities on their campuses. Well, I think that's right. I think that's the direction the commission is pointing. It's saying, you know, I'm sorry, uh, you can do what you want, but if you at all get any funding, uh, scholarship money and so forth and so on, then the conditions are attached to it. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, 
some folks see this as a zero-sum game. You know, uh, every and this commission seems to say the one side wins all. You know, now and you know, my argument with them is that it should be a balancing test. And can we make sure that these Christian colleges and universities continue to uphold their faith and that without labeling their convictions bigotry uh, in the first you know instance, but to sit down and say, look. What are things we can do to make sure that you continue to operate and uphold your faith? I think we can work that out, and I think religious accommodation has a long and good history in the United States, strong history. We are a great nation uh, for protecting free exercise of religion in many instances, and so I think we can work it out. Unfortunately, we have to have the will to do that, and if the commission is right, we don't even need to worry about it. Simply, non-discrimination always wins. As the commission says, it's preeminent. Well, it isn't. Uh, It is one important American value and principle among a number of important values and principles. And religious freedom is right there first in the First Amendment. So all I'm calling for is let's look for a balance between these two. Let's find ways to have, if we can, uphold both principles. And I I would join you in urging, uh, you know, our listeners, given that we're on Christian radio, will tend to be... Um, if there's a zero-sum, more in favor of religious freedom trumping non-discrimination. But I would join you in advocating that we pursue a win-win approach, a compromise approach. And I guess my question is, are you finding uh, any support for that kind of balanced position anywhere? Yes. Definitely. Yes. Oh, I think a great many evangelical leaders today, for example, are, you know, trying to find ways to reset this conversation. It's a little late in the game. Uh, I mean, a number of years ago, I think people on both sides had much more uh, motivation to come to the table and say, okay, we'll give you this if you give us that. That's the American way, you know, some trade-offs, but protect both if we can. Uh, Today, if one side thinks it's going to win ultimately, it sees the, the victory in sight, it has less incentive to say, okay, let's give you now some religious accommodations. So the religious folks who decided they were not going to support any non-discrimination protection for LGBT people over the years, they said, well, not even in workplace, not even in housing, uh, they created uh, an atmosphere on the other side that's saying, well, look, if you're not going to give us even the basic protection for, uh, against discrimination, why should we give you religious exemptions when, now that we're, we're in the driver's seat? So that's unfortunate because I think it, it should not – I think we still, whether or not there's incentive to do so or not, both sides should say, look, we all have an interest in protecting conscience in this case, religious conscience, because today it may be some uh, claim of conscience one doesn't like, tomorrow it's going to be mine, you know, that is going to be frozen out. Uh, And on the other side, religious people, conservative religious people who have really, you know, opposition to same-sex marriage and so forth, they should say, look, we're not bigots. We want people to be protected in housing and in the workplace. We don't want people... You know, married one day, fired the next. That doesn't make any sense. So we, we're going to support uh, non-discrimination in those basic ways. I think if we started to see more voices like that, now we are starting to see that. And we saw it in Utah, uh, which was, I think, a great example 
of what we can do nationally and in different states, where the LDS Church, the LGBT movement, the government officials, including most very conservative Republican legislature, all sat together and said, "All right, let's have a give and take here. How can we how can we address discrimination?" problems in Utah for LGBT people, and how can we protect religious liberty at the same time? So they did it, and, you know, we can't replicate everything that happened in Utah because Utah has its own laws and system, but we can replicate the spirit of that compromise. Right. Well, and I think coming from Utah with its LDS leadership, the LDS Church, of course, got a lot of negative publicity for their advocacy and support of Proposition 8 in California opposing same-sex marriage. So for them to take the lead in, in this compromise, uh, I hope signals a new opportunity for calmer voices to prevail. But, you know, this issue that the Commission on Civil Rights has a- addressed, we think wrongly in its, uh, in its report, really is the issue facing religious liberty in the forthcoming future. And Charles, I'm very grateful for your leadership and the leadership of of the Religious Freedom Center in in trying to forge some kind of middle ground here. And I appreciate you being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Well, thank you for having me. So as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We offer help to those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at www.churchstate.org, churchstate.org. And Charles, I should have given you an opportunity to give out uh, your web address as well. Sure, religiousfreedomcenter.org. Please join us there. religiousfreedomcenter.org, wonderful resource for information, friends. Freedom's Ring is now available on SoundCloud, so check out our SoundCloud radio station. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.